Right. Well, hey, good morning, everybody who made it in this house to worship today. So glad that you made it in here to worship with us. And, and all of you, I always wanna make sure I say hello to all of you out there who are watching online and worship with us wherever you are and wherever you may be. I just wanna say thanks for joining us. You could be doing a lot with your hour if you're not with us and you're choosing to be with God and with us today. And I'm so thankful that, that you're in here, out there. I'm just glad that you're joining us. And, I, and again, my prayer and hope every week is a, that God is meeting you. I know he is ready. And I just pray that, that, that he is meeting all of you here and, and that you are giving God this hour is something that I don't take for granted. I'm just very thankful for that. Well, if you are new or joining us, we are in this series where we're calling No More, No More. And what we're doing is, is we're looking at some things that can get in the way of our spiritual lives, uh, barriers that could get in the way, that, that get, in, get, after, uh, get in the way of get, us getting after God and what he wants us to do. And, and what we're doing is we're using two scriptures. We're using, using Ephesians 2.10 and Titus 3.8 as kind of the anchor scriptures uh, for us because here's what those two verses say about you and God. They say this, that God sees you in a way. He sees you uh, as his masterpiece, he sees you as his workmanship and that you were created for a purpose, that every individual here was created with a purpose, that you have a call on your life. And, and so if, in order for us to be fulfilling that purpose and then that in turn filling up our lives, we just need to say no more to some things that get in the way. And so, so far what we've looked at is we've looked at saying no more to distractions that get in the way. Distractions, there's some that are good, but they're not the best. And so we gotta look at those. We've also said no more to, to spiritual disinterest, spiritual uh, apathy, or just that ho-hum faith. That's not what we're about. That's not what Jesus is about. And we've also last week looked at no more disdain or, or prideful thinking, prideful living in our lives. So that's where we've been. And today, uh, we're gonna look at saying no more to despair, despair. Now, before we get to the definition of despair, I just wanna de define these words for us to understand. I actually first wanna turn somewhere in the Bible to get us kind of started in a great place and to look at. So if you do have your Bibles or your phones, go ahead and grab those and let's open them up to Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four. Uh, if you've never been in Philippians, that's gonna be towards the end uh, of the book uh, of Philippians in chapter four. And we're gonna read uh, what Paul, the writer says to the church, okay? And he He's kind of finalizing his letter and he's really writing this letter to this church for two reasons. One is he wants to mature them a little bit in their faith. Uh, and the second thing that he wants to do is encourage them. He wants to encourage them uh, with a big thing called joy, that there's a joy that we have uh, when we come to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and it's not easy to go after a faith that keeps those things going, that we gotta keep fighting for it uh, because living that out isn't easy. And so he's kind of concluding here uh, in chapter four, we're gonna look, pick this up in verse four. And here's what he says to them and to us. He goes, so, so I want you to rejoice in the Lord always. In fact, I'm gonna say it again, rejoice. That's so encouraging. And it, I think that that is uh, appropriate too for, for not just them back then, but for us today in the world that we live in. I really think people are hungry. I think they are hungry for joy. I really do. I think when we talk and interact with people, I think that there is no greater hunger than looking for joy. And I think that's what people are looking for in their lives and they don't even know it. But here's what we get to do. We get to show and share that joy comes from only one place and one place only through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's an awesome call on our lives. And so Paul is telling us in here a huge key 
a huge key to staying on the path of Jesus and, and again, going after that purpose of God that we need, here's what he's saying, we need as believers in Christ to make a decision every day, every day in our lives to rejoice or celebrate or cheer about Jesus. That's that we do, do that every day. And guys, Paul knows, he knows the battle's going on. He knows the junk that is happening. He knows the distress and heartaches that are coming and that we're going through and how all of that can undermine our ability to have joy and, and rejoice. But he's saying, hey, if you do wanna see your faith come through though, here's what he's saying here. You gotta drive a stake in the ground. You gotta drive a stake in the ground every day with rejoicing in Jesus and reminding ourselves of the hope that we have in Jesus. And I think he repeats it because I think he knows how different that sounds, everybody. Because he goes, hey, let me tell you again, because I wanna make sure you're clear. Yes, rejoice in the Lord always. And he doubles down on that for us to see the key. And then a couple of verses later, actually in verse six, if you drop down there, he kind of helps us uh, with direction and how we rejoice. So he says this, he goes, so don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, I really want us to see how he's saying always and, and in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so Paul says, here's how we work this out. Here's how we show we're rejoicing in the Lord. He's saying, don't worry about anything, be thankful. And then if you come to God like that, then here's what will happen. Peace and joy will, will find you to which we say, don't worry about anything. Always be thankful. No problem. No problem, Paul. What you got next on that little list there, Paul, right? I was saying, hey, this is gonna be a cakewalk in our faith. That's not what we say. Come on, everybody. That's not, for me, I don't know about you. For me, that's, that's challenging. That's a challenging scripture right there. I don't know about you, but for me, it's a battle. I I'm gonna bring you in on my life a little bit. I'm not perfect. I worry a lot. I do. I, I, I hate to admit that. I don't like to say that I worry. I worry a lot. It's big things, but man, don't we worry about little things too? Don't we do that? We worry about little things. I found this the other day. Uh, there are over 400 phobias that are defined and the list is growing, okay? This is where we're at, people. 400 defined phobias and it keeps getting bigger. We just keep finding things to be afraid of and to worry about. Uh, I found a few that, that you might wanna know about. Like the, here's one that was on top of the list, on all the lists, top three. Uh, I don't know if you know it. It's not fear of dying or public speaking. Those are up there. Do you know what the third one is? It's arachnophobia, okay? That is the fear of spiders. So here's what I read. I read that 48% of women have arachnophobia. So half of you in here the rest of the time, you, I, I'm sorry. Like that's all you're gonna think of is spiders and I apologize that you're thinking of that. We try to clear the cobwebs out for you today just so you don't have to worry, but you have it so I can't stop that, okay? Here's another one, torophobia. You know what that is? Torophobia, this is crazy. It's a fear of cheese. It's real, it's defined, fear of cheese. Here's a new one. This is a new one that's come up in the last several years. Nomophobia, this is a real thing. Nomophobia is the fear of being out of cell phone coverage. How about that? Like there are some of you in here like, ah, and like, you know, right when I said it, you're like, oh, like your stomach churn, your stomach churn. You should not live in West Virginia. I'm just saying like, and no kidding, no kidding. There's phobophobia. Fear of having fears. This is where we're at as a society, people. This is where we're at, but we worry, we worry. We have fears, we get overwhelmed. We get hit with things that come our way and these are real things that happen and they are things that can lead 
to despair. If you're taking notes, here's our working definition of despair. I hope you write this down. Here's what despair is. It's the complete loss or absence of hope. The complete loss or absence of hope. It's when things come and, and they hit and it just feels like a spiraling out of control that we can't really get a grip on it. It's that, that financial thing and then that job thing and then that family thing and then that relational thing and all these things hit and we don't see them coming and these are real things that happen and it compiles or it feels like that. It just keeps adding up and you lose hope because of it. If you're taking notes, uh, I wanna go through a few things that actually lead us to despair uh, where we feel like things are adding up. Here's the first one if you're writing down. First thing that leads us there are life imbalances. Life imbalances, it's just, here's what I mean by that. There are two ways that this comes in. There are either things that just come at you with no, like you had no, no choice in it. It's just things from the outside. What I would say is outside influences cause life imbalances. But there's also stuff, gang, that we allow in there's stuff that we allow in that drive us to this state of mind of feeling despair. I think our culture is producing way more stress. It's almost like when you see a product or something, like I think it's producing way more stress, more pressure, more demand. We push this go, go, go mentality and you know it, right? Like we all see it. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, I grew up in the 80s, like mid to late 80s. Here, it's really wild. It was rare to ever call someone about work at home on the landline. It was really rare. I mean, you didn't see it happen, but now with technology, we have just this 24 hour access and we're just okay with it right? We are. We're just kind of okay with it. It was never like that when I was growing up. And uh, social media, I don't know if you, you know this or not. It's not good. Okay. Like, welcome to church. Like, thanks for coming. It's not good. Like, gang, listen to me. Study after study is revealing the same thing with high, high percentage uh, of finding these, that, that viewing others best of uh, on a constant stream is not positive. It's not positive. It's a ne- it, it creates a negative feeling of self-worth. When you look at it, and the more you do it, the, the less you have this, this uh, the self-worth just goes down. Uh, and I think, and you can take this for what it's worth, but I really do think, uh, I believe some of this can just be turned around if we just give it to God. I believe that. I think if we just give this, if we give God our first priorities, I think he could totally take that over. I think a lot of this can be healed and relieve some of the despair that we're feeling by just renewing our minds on God and not allowing this stuff to run our lives, everybody. I just believe that wholeheartedly. I think we are allowing culture to run our lives way more than it should, period. And I think that's why you're here. Like, you know, God has the answer. We gotta encourage each other to keep on that path of God and stay away from the things that we don't wanna influence. Amen, everybody. We don't wanna do that, man. It has no business running our lives. And so we don't wanna do it. That's one thing that can cause despair. Here's the second one that could cause is also comparing myself to others. Man, comparing can lead to despair. When we compare, uh, when, when we compare ourselves to others, uh, a lot of things can happen, but two big things happen pretty much almost either one or the other. One is when I start comparing myself to somebody else, I'll kind of land on getting full of myself, right? I'll get full of myself. Blair, Blair talked about this last week with pride, with disdain, right? But we've all done this. We've all done it. Don't think we haven't done it. Uh, you know, like you're driving on the interstate and you're on the left, you're in the left lane, right? And then there's somebody that's ahead of you and they're speeding, but not like you're speeding, right? They're still speeding, but they're not, you know, they're like, and so then you're, and then they may swerve, you know, maybe you're beside somebody and they swerve a little bit. And so what, what's our first reaction? It's like, oh yeah, I know I've probably done that a few times. No, that's not what you do. You're like, you're a moron. That's what you do. You're like, get out of my way, you idiot. Like that's what, or you'd probably say something worse. And I'm just, but that's what we do, right? We look at other people, we look at what they're doing 
And, and, and so we, we get to these conclusions. We fill in this blank of, well, I would never, or like, I can't believe they're doing that. Look at them. And we just get full of ourselves. It's a casualty of comparing. Another thing that happens, if we're not getting full of ourselves, here's the other one. I get resentful. I get resentful. Sometimes when we compare, we resent. You know, because you, you know, you know what you're doing when you post that thing up there on that Facebook. You know it. Like when you're trying to just give an update on your life. You know what you're doing and showing your perfect stuff and all this, the, you know, these things. And, and like, you know, and, you're, and you made me, you made me stare at it for 20 minutes. Not me. You're the one who made me do that. And, and you're telling me just by chance, just by chance that picture just happened to have that rustic lampstand with the uh, picture frame that you crafted from Pinterest. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have time to craft. You know, so, you know what I'm saying? And and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, a weird thing happens, everybody. When we do that, we, we stop seeing uh, things, we, we stop seeing people as people, we see people as problems, right? We start seeing them as problems and resenting is so toxic. It's so toxic because when I resent, here's what I do. I deny God's goodness in you and I actually don't see God's work in my own life when I do that. It can lead, and it can lead to despair. So comparing is, is another one. Uh, here's the third avenue of despair that could lead us. It's isolation and self-talk. Isolation and self-talk. I think this one gets a lot of us. This one gets a lot of us. I think we isolate a lot. I think we do. Uh, and, and I think a lot of times when we have things going on in our lives and something's happening, I think we isolate for a few reasons because we think that we're doing the right thing. I think maybe, maybe we're like, well, they don't really understand. And so I just don't want to even give them the opportunity to fill in the blank with whatever. I don't want them to, you know, whatever, jump to conclusion. Or maybe uh, we just don't want to let them in on our own mess. That's why we isolate and stuff. We all do. Whatever reason, we do it. And when we isolate, see, here's the problem. We still have thoughts, right? We, and here's the other thing. We still have conversations, the problem is you're just con conversing with yourself. Uh, you're not bouncing things off of anybody. And there's actually a term for this called rumination cycle. Rumination cycle, where you just take something, you take a narrative, and you're constantly talking about it over and over. It's like a cycle over and over again. And it comes from a Latin word uh, that means a, a cow chewing its own cud. Like that's where uh, it comes from. And a common characteristic of why people do this is because there's actually a belief, it's not true, but there's a belief that you're kind of working something out, that you're really gonna get there. Like when you talk to yourself over and over that you're gaining insight, but instead here's what it does. You know what it does? It just fuels your despair. That's all, it's just adding fuel to the, to the fire of despair. And what typically happens, you come out of this isolation of self-talk with either a half-truth or, or a thought that's all the way off because you're just self-talking this out. You don't have someone bouncing things off of you. You don't have somebody like calling you out and saying, no, that's not what's true. This is what's true. And we create things that aren't even true. So that's a third thing that could lead us to despair. And here's the fourth one. This is the, I think it's the biggest one. Uh, it's spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare can absolutely lead us to despair. Now, if you've been coming for any time while I've been up here, I think I say this enough that I think we know Satan is real, all right? I probably say it every other message, okay? But he is. And, and, uh, but here, I don't, I don't think, I think that most of us know he's real, but I'm not so sure that we really understand what he's doing. I think we need to have a better understanding of the reality of what he does. He is constantly fighting your faith. He never gives up. He is like constantly fighting against your faith and it's subtle and it's clever. 
He's been at it for thousands of years. And all he wants is to rip you apart from your relationship with God. And Paul, Paul tells us, Paul tells us, here's what he says. He says, you wanna know the fiercest battle you have. It's not with people. Now think about the, like the hardest conflict you've ever had with a person. He goes, I ain't even touching the fiercest battle you have. It's about things unseen. It's about the spiritual war going on all around us. And it can really mess with us and it can undermine the hope that we have. Now, there are more, there are more. I just wanted to list some things for us to start thinking about uh, what can lead to despair. But all my point is, is there is not a Christian alive who hasn't faced something that, that challenges the hope that we have, that we know we have in Jesus. We've all been there. We've all been there, everybody. And I don't know where you are with this right now, but here's what I know. I could, I'm pretty sure that one of these three things are, are going on right now with all of us. You're either coming out of some stuff, all right? You're in the middle of some stuff or something's heading your way, all right? Something's heading your way and it can bring in despair if we're not careful to call it what it is, see how we deal with it. And, and we gotta understand what are our weapons to fight this. It's true. So, we, so we're gonna look at this because here's what Jesus says to us. Real simple, he says, hey, listen, you're gonna have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. Now, uh, I love this because if you study Jesus for any amount of time, uh, I love this because usually, this is not usual for Jesus. Here's, here's what Jesus usually does. He'll take a question or a topic or something and he'll, he'll kind of tell a story and then a parable and then he explains it because none of us know what he's talking about. And he, so he takes all these things around, but, but, it, but not here, not here. I think right here, he's like, I want to be crystal clear with you. I, I, I'm not gonna tell you a, a parable. I wanna be clear. You're gonna have trouble. It's coming. You'll experience pain and loss and heartache. It will happen. And so people say, why? Why, Jesus, why? Why is that? Well, because we're in a broken world. We're in a broken world. Earth is broken. Did you know that? Earth is absolutely broken. It's the effects of sin. God created paradise down here. Sin destroyed it. Sin broke that paradise. So every part of earth is broken. Think about it. Weather is broken. Sometimes we're like, why, do, why did God create the tornadoes? No, sin did that. Weather is broken. Economy is broken. Relationships are broken. I don't, know, I, have to, I don't have to tell a lot of us. Our bodies are broken, okay, everybody? If you're under 40, just wait. Truth will come, okay? I'm just saying. This looks good. It's broke. You know what I'm saying? Well, why doesn't God do anything about it? He did. He sent us his son, Jesus Christ, to come on this earth and die for us so that we could be made right and brought to paradise what he made for us, which is heaven. He did that for us. He did something for us. He came to rescue us from this brokenness. He is on a rescue mission with us. And while we're still here, you see, God, and God does still intervene sometimes. That's the beauty and the reality of our heavenly father. He does intervene sometimes, but this is not his main goal. Intervening down here is not his main goal. His primary plan is to get us out of this broken world and restore us so that we could be brought back to paradise, which is heaven. And that, that should be the thing that fills our lives with hope and assurance that we have, that many of us have in here, right? But, but that doesn't mean that life will always be easy. 
It doesn't mean our Christian lives will be easy. So what do you do when you're in the middle of it? What do you do when you're facing these things where despair wants to come in and then you feel the tentacles starting to come? And so here's what I want us to do. Uh, I want us to look at, at a couple things that God has to say and a promise that, that we need to look at and think about uh, in the scripture. So if you still have your Bibles there, we're gonna jump to the book of 2 Corinthians. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter one, all right? And if you, if you haven't done that yet, I mean, I really encourage you, get your phone out, just read along with me here. Uh, and, and so we'll see what it has to say. Cause man, there are some promises in here that God gives us that, that I wanna see. And my hope and prayer is that God uses this time for us. Cause I think we've all experienced times where despair is coming. And I think he can help you. He can help you. That's why, that's why he's here. He loves you and he wants you to be restored and back into the hope uh, that we have in Jesus. And, and so for those of us who have surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ, there are some promises that we need to look at. And, and here's what I love about the Bible. So all through the Bible, there are men and women who say, I've been there, like me too. <laughs> like I faced what you're facing. I've gone through some stuff. Things hit me, situations came that were out of my control. I'm there. And, and so we're gonna see this from our buddy that we've already been reading from is Paul. We're gonna see Paul tell us something here in 2 Corinthians about his own life, okay? 2 Corinthians uh, 1, verse eight. We're gonna look at this in verse eight. Here's what he said. He said, so... I want you to know, he said, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. Now look at what he says. We were crushed and we were overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. So, so Paul is telling us, he's like, I don't want you to be uninformed that I have troubles too. Despair is, was right there, great pressure, despair of life, which honestly, gang, I don't know, I'm glad he said that. I'm glad he said what he says because it helps me when I look at people who are great. And I look at Paul who wrote most of the New Testament and like planted these churches just on fire for Jesus. I look up to Paul. I look at, I, I, he's a great man of God and I just love studying him. But, to, but I always think, well, they don't go through that kind of stuff. He's like, no, 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 I did. I, I went through this. And, and so he keeps going. I just find that comforting. He keeps going. He goes, but, verse nine, he goes, as a result, remember, he's like, we thought we were gonna die. He goes, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. We're gonna come back to that in a second. And he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. And so Paul goes on to say, remember, he's like, we were, we were in this bad place. We thought we were gonna die. And he goes on to say, he goes, yeah, you know what though? I realized something, I realized something. I realized that something was happening to me and then God is wanting to do something in me. I'm realizing this, he wanted to do something in me. He realized I didn't choose this thing happening, but I have choices. You hear me? I didn't choose this thing happening to me, but I have choices in this. And here's where we come in on this. When something happens, isn't this true? My emotions go this way. You don't have to go that way. You don't have, that's what Paul was like. I don't have to go that way. I can choose where I want to go. My choices don't have to go that way. So I'll choose, he says, I'm gonna trust God. I'm gonna let that land where it lands, but I'm gonna trust God because he says, regardless of the circumstance, here's why. He can raise the dead. 
Think about it. Last time I looked, I can't raise the dead. And so he's like, I'll go with him, all right? I'm not gonna go with what I think. And he says, I also know this, and I love what he said. He did rescue us. He will rescue us again, and he will continue to rescue us as well. Amen, everybody? That's why I'm gonna choose to trust God. And so now flip to chapter four. Go to chapter four really quick. It's like the next page, maybe, depending on the size of your Bible. So the next chapter, okay, chapter four, and we're gonna show, he's gonna kind of summarize this in verse eight. You get there? Okay, so here's what he says. He goes, so he's like, I'm gonna sum this up. He goes, so we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. And so he's bringing, here's, here's what I want you to catch here, gang. He's bringing all of us in on this one. You see that we, that's the royal we. That's, he's like, hey church, hey, hey believer in Christ, I wanna tell you something that I know. And he says, Christians, this is what will happen. We will be afflicted. We will be perplexed. We will be persecuted. We will get struck down by others because of our faith. Why didn't you say that before, Andy? Sign me up, right? Like we don't, like that's not, the, that's not what we wanna hear everybody, right? Right? Brennan Manning, I've, I've mentioned this before. He wrote a book called The Ragamuffin Gospel. And in it he wrote, I just, this hits me. Here's what he says. Listen to what he says. Most of the descriptions of the victorious life do not match the reality of my own life. They, listen, there is an impression that once Jesus is acknowledged as Lord, the Christian life becomes a picnic on a green lawn, marriage blossoms into bliss, physical health flourishes, acne disappears, and sinking careers begin to soar. The victorious life is proclaimed to mean that everybody's a winner. Isn't that true? What we hear is give your life over to Jesus. Everything's gonna be fixed. And here's the problem. Then when the first thing that hits comes down our way, we get confused. We get confused. But Paul, man, Paul is showing us in black and white, in black and white, right there. We don't have to wonder anymore. He's saying your salvation in Christ doesn't make you any less exposed to the elements down here on this broken earth. I want you to be clear on this, brother and sister. In fact, he's saying, catch this, in present tense we because did you notice that the tense changed he said we are we are afflicted perplexed persecuted struck down and for a lot of us we may not want to be there but just hearing that i think that somebody need to hear that this morning because you're thinking man okay maybe i'm not doing something wrong i'm not doing something wrong but here's something that when i saw it and i hope it does to you what it did to me it just hit me about god it's really great it's really great, and it's in two simple words, and it's right here, but God. Do you see that? But God, or but not. In every one of these, and this is what it means, there's a limit. There's a limit to this. Here's what he says. He goes, so, so we are afflicted, but not crushed. Hey, listen, perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Gang, but not is God's. He owns that. He comes into your life and he says, there is a limit to what I will allow to happen. And if you're a believer, it's so beautiful, isn't it? Because it holds a key to this Christian life. It holds a key to our understanding of God's love and mercy and protection in our lives. I'm telling you, if you catch this, I'm telling you, it's transformative. It's transformative. In every one of these elements, but not is saying there's no immunity, but there is hope. You hear me, everybody? There's no immunity, but there is hope that gives us courage and strength through the storm we're facing. 
Because here's the truth. I want you to think about this. If you're like teetering uh, in between like believing in God or wondering if he's good or, or whatever you want, here's what I want to tell you. Think about it. Without God, suffering still exists. You hear me? It's true. Without God, suffering still exists. So you can't really make that argument. Like, okay, get rid of him. Suffering's still here. But with God, with God, he does something with it. He does something with it. He, he, he doesn't turn away from it. He doesn't let anything go to waste. And it's the truth that can change your entire perspective on this life, everybody. So, so, and that's, that's a lot of work that some of us need to do sometimes. You know, I, I don't think one word will help change you, but I'm thinking God is working on you there. So what do we do though uh, when despair wants to hit? What are some things that we need to look at? A few things that we need to think about to cultivate the hope that we know that we have and saying no more to despair. Here's just three big things that I want to end with this morning. Here's the first thing that I need to do. I need to realize that I choose my responses, right? I need to realize that. I, I, I get to, God gave us free will in this way that we get to choose the response that we have. And, and here's what I want you to think about as you're writing this down. Think about Paul for a second, all right? Now, if there is anybody who can have a complaint against God, it's Paul. First of all, he wrote most of the New Testament in prison, all right, in prison. And it's not like he was kicking his feet up on a hammock drinking lemonade in there, everybody. Yeah, he was, he was beat, he was stoned, he was tortured, he was lashed. He got, and then when he wasn't in prison, this is what happened, because he's like, oh yeah, yeah, I gotta, he got shipwrecked, all right? Drug himself on shore, just an inch of his life. Then he got bit by a viper, okay? Like this is real, this happened. I mean, come on, this is his life with Jesus, all right? And so all that to say, most of Paul's life had its opportunities where despair could have been the norm. But the more you read, what he wrote, the more you see what he says, the more you're coming, gonna come across his response being pretty consistent with this. Joy over pain, faith works even during, and I will rejoice instead of complain. It's unbelievable, it's unbelievable. And so for those of us who follow Christ, I wanna challenge you. That's the response we can have as well. And Paul proves it to us in his own life. But what we do, man, it, 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 we shift our focus I talked about this a few weeks ago. We, we kind of we put our focus and in, in, in our thoughts on other things and it's gonna get us out of whack and, and our perspective is gonna change. We let Facebook, we let social media influence us way too much. We let that entertain us too much. It goes beyond entertainment. And I think we, we pay attention to the least life-giving stuff, don't we? And that influences us sometimes. It'll tear you up. It'll tear you up. And we just gotta say no more, no more. I'm not gonna let that influence me anymore. I'm not letting that take me there. Well, who matters? Jesus. What is good and lovely and pure and true? Jesus, because I know when I think on that, when I think on him, there shouldn't be a whole lot that can affect my response and my attitude. Amen, everybody? So I get to choose my response. Here's the second one that I gotta think about is I also gotta avoid expecting the worst to not let despair come in. That's what we're looking at. I, I gotta avoid expecting more. This is, uh, this is avoiding things like, I have a headache, I must have a brain tumor, right? Like that's, or hey, oh man, boss wants a meeting, I'm getting fired. That's not, like that's, that's where we go, right? We take these events of life and here's what happens, gang. We pre-decide what's already gonna happen, don't we? We kind of pre-decide that something terrible is gonna come. Avoid expecting the worst. And I'm gonna tell you something. This is the one I need to work on of these three. This is the one that I need to, I do this a lot. And every time I do it, here's what I know. Here's what I know. It robs my hope. 
Every time I do it, it robs my hope. It leads me to despair for no reason. Actually, I'm the reason why it does that. That's why it's so frustrating to me. So I, I bring in this truth to me. I love this Psalm. Psalm 94, 19 says, so when doubts fill my mind, God, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. So when that stuff comes in, when I'm predetermining, when all these things are happening, when I have this, well, surely this is what's gonna end up happening. When you already mapped up that bad outcome in your head, realize that's where you're living. That's robbing the joy and hope that you have. And that is not, not where God wants you to live. And so we say, okay, Lord, then when those doubts fill my mind, when they fill my brain, quiet me, quiet me, give me renewed hope and cheer. That's a truth that we, some of, uh, I have that on a note card. Some of us need to put that right there, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, get it on a note card, put it somewhere to remember when these things hit. And here's a third one, that I gotta believe I can because God can. Now, this is a shift in thinking. I, I wanna talk just for one minute. I got one minute. Oh, it's not gonna be longer than one minute. I got more than one minute. Okay, here we go. I think, I think a lot of people get confused with Christianity and what it is and the gospel message of Jesus and what it's all about, okay? So let me talk about this. The message of the gospel here, everybody, is not God is good, you're bad, try harder, you could do it, see you next Sunday. That's not it. The Christian life isn't about, I'm gonna make me a better version of me so God isn't so angry at me. People get this messed up all the time. And gang, that's religion. Religion is about how you get there, how you earn God's favor, how you get better. And if that's what you get out of this, man, you're gonna miss it all. You're gonna miss it. You will never move you out of where God belongs. And you'll never see the gospel message of Jesus Christ. The gospel isn't try harder, you could do it. The gospel is you can't, but God can, but God can. That's the message of the gospel. I think far too many people try to white knuckle your way through all these things that happen. And honestly, I think we do it because we've been programmed to believe the lie of religion. It is a lie. That's not what we do. Here's what the Bible says. I'm just gonna show you the scriptures. Here's what the Bible says. And think about it. Finally, be strong. Be, you can do it, no, in the Lord, in the Lord, in him, not you, and in the strength of his might, not yours. Yours, O oh Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty, not mine, not mine. Man, I'm telling you, this is gonna reach somebody today. Now to him who's able, not me, I'm not able, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. The Bible never points to you as a solution. That's good news, that's good news because we're broken. We're absolutely broken. This isn't self-help. This isn't the power of positive thinking. This isn't the power of you. Our whole theology rests on the fact that this never points in where it points Jesus' word. Every single time. So when you get, so when you get to these moments, man, when you get these moments where despair wants to come in and this turmoil that hits, we have to step back, man. We have to step back, okay? And I want us to be like Paul. I want us to be like Paul. Take a note from him and, and just step back and go, you know what, you know what? Uh, then I realized... Oh man, how about that turn? Then I realized God can raise the dead. That's who I want to trust. 
And if he can raise the dead, I, can't, I don't want to rely on myself. I can't do that. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to lean in on him and his strength. And so we turn to him. Gang, listen, we, re- we read Ephesians 3. We read Ephesians 6 over. That's the cycle we should be in to remind us it's not me. It's God and believe that God did. Come on, God will and he will again. Amen, everybody. That's the God that we trust in. And if you're a believer in Christ today, if you're a believer in Christ, this is an eternal message. Every message is, but this, I'm telling you, man, you are eternal. This temporary, temporary, there is a greater beyond here. What's the greater? Greater everything, greater everything. And while we're here, we can know that while we got to think eternally, this is still stuff that we got to deal with. And, and, but here's what we have. Think about it. We have a savior who can relate we have a savior who can look at whatever we're going through and go, me too. I went through that too. I, I could have gone down that path of despair, but I did not. I didn't do it. And so we, as a result, listen, everybody, can just say no more to that. Amen? All right, let me pray. God, I feel like somebody needs encouragement here with this. We are facing so many things that just wanna lead us down this path of despair. It's crazy. The stuff we watch, the things we listen to, it's not like we're even looking for it. We're not even looking for it. It's just trying to nail us and hit us. Man, I pray we see your truth. I, see, I pray we see your promise of, of, of but not. But not, man, you give us limits. And I love that, Lord, that you say, no, 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 I'm, I'm gonna, I have a limit. I'm, I'm the holy heavenly God who made and loves you. And so we can trust in you because you can raise the dead. We trust in you because you can, you will, you've done, and you're going to keep doing that. I pray that while we're down here in this temporary place that we keep focusing on what's great, what's greater, that we focus on heaven, we focus on our destination. It's not here. And so we live for that destination through the things that come our way. So that doesn't lead us to despair, but it it just gives us a greater hope in you and in Jesus who died for us and, and came back to the dead to prove who he was. We love you, God. Help us be encouraged by this message. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. All right, gang, I hope you had an awesome Sunday. I pray that God met you and we'll see you next week for the next installment of Saying No More.